Hockey fans, listen up. Playoffs are done, and it is now time to shave off your playoff beards. But to properly take care of your beard, you should head over to NorseBeards.com where they offer an assortment of all-natural beard products. Their beard oil, beard balm, and beard wash will keep your beard clean, soft, healthy, and smell great. Use the promo code OCS to get 25% off your beardsman needs. Don't miss this great opportunity, and make sure you visit NorseBeards.com today. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I'm your host, Joey DiMeglio, and this week I'm joined by the hockey stat miner from Twitter. If you don't have a Twitter account, first of all, go make one. And second of all, he's an expert on the salary cap and the CBA, and he's here to help help me break down the moves the Rangers need to make this offseason and the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade rumors that surfaced on Wednesday. Thanks for joining me. How are you? Hey, nice to be here. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, so, I mean, usually when I when I start with, with these interviews, I always ask, you know, how did you get started? Obviously, you know, we like – People don't know exactly who you are, but I mean that profile picture to me is iconic with the Al Troutwig and the heat map on Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, I did, I'm pretty proud of that one. So you 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 had to have made that, right? What was that in like Google Google Drawings or something, or did you Photoshop? Oh it? gosh, no, I was probably so loaded when I made it. I have no idea, but it stuck. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. So how, I mean, how did like what made you start following the salary crap so closely? Um. Well, I, I guess just it's my personality that, like, I'm good with numbers, um, good with economics. Um, so once the salary cap started, uh, there was really, like, it was kind of unknown to a lot of fans when it really first started. But then you had kind of a learning process start start on the Internet, kind of like paralleling analytics. Um, there was a wonderful, wonderful site called CapGeek in the late 2000s that uh, was around up until about, I don't know, eight years ago. Um, and then now, obviously, we have CapFriendly, who are amazing, uh, Puckpedia. So it, it kind of grew that there was this way to learn about it, and it just suited my nature. You know, I, I just found it fascinating because it helped you kind of figure out what was going on, or it helped it helped you learn really why things were happening in the, in the NHL. Um, for example, if you know nothing about the salary cap, you know, why in the world would Arizona trade for Chris Pronger's unofficially retired contract? That doesn't make any sense. But then once you kind of get a sense of the salary cap and learn the incentives and what how things kind of work, it's like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Um, so it, I, I think it just it's like a puzzle that's always going on, and I like puzzles. So it just suits me, um, you know. I, I it, it came around where you could learn about it yourself from other people, and you know, here we are, ten years later, and um, I guess I'm the cap guy now. So there it is. Yeah, I mean, I like to go on that cap friendly and use that armchair GM stuff all the time. Uh, I came up with one like the other day where I had like Paul Stasny on there. You could do whatever you want on there without. It's kind of like a simulator, almost like the EA sports games, but instead of spending $60 for a crappy game, you could just do it for free. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I think if you're a diehard fan, you like to put yourself in that position. Like, okay, what are my options? What can I do? What can I do? Um, 
how is this going to affect my team? And, you know, this time of the year, everyone's asking, you know, kind of, okay, what can the Rangers do? What can't they do? What, what are their limitations? Um, so just the more you learn about how the salary cap works, how the collective bargaining agreement works, you can kind of start filling in some holes. And you can't predict the future, but you can maybe see things coming or rule things out. And it, it just makes it a, you know, kind of making a, it makes being a fan that much more uh, richer, I guess, in a, in a nerdy sort of way. Gotcha. And and in terms of the Rangers, you know, obviously there's a lot of questions that need to be answered from front office uh, standpoint for this season and for next year. It's a tight salary cap. They still need to re-sign Capo Caco. And to me, I think Tyler Mott is deserving to be in that in that um in that group of people players that that needs to be re-signed obviously we already have Kravtsov and Sammy Blay are already on uh, new contracts um but we still there's still some holes that need to be filled and my first question for you is there any way to make a big move with how tight the salary cap is yeah so it it kind of depends on what assumptions like you make about the little things like how much they spend on a backup goalie um you know they're probably going to find a way to get a Nemeth. Do they, can they trade him? Do they buy him out? Do they bury him? You know, there's, there's, there's kind of different ways of dealing with that salary. Um, but generally speaking, I think like the good number is probably about seven and a half million dollars. They have to spend on Kako, a backup goalie and maybe like some top nine forward, probably a center. Um, it's not Mott. And that's generally, like, if you make some baseline assumptions, that's probably where they're at. Uh, I tend to think Kako is going to go the way of Heedle, where it's like the, the deal Heedle got last year was two years at 2.3 each. Um, Kako's, what he's done in his entry-level contract at a glance is pretty similar to Heedle. If you look at, like, points per game or, um, you know, that type of thing. Um and backup goalie, it, it's kind of a question mark. I, I tend to think Georgiev's played his last game, you know, a million if you want to just guesstimate, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Um, so between that, it's like maybe four or four and a half million they have to spend on that kind of quote-unquote last spot. Um, but it's tight. It's very tight. And it's going to be tighter next summer. That's kind of the big thing for me is, you know, you can justify four, four and a half, if you get rid of Nemeth, maybe you pick, kick it up to five-ish. Um, but next year, it's going to be even tighter. So any commitment you're making with that four to five million, um, next year, it, there's going to be a whole series of implications when Miller, Laff, Heedle, Kravstov, if he's still here, all those guys are going to probably be do pay raises. Um, and you're going to be looking at you know even less uh, maneuverability. So it's kind of a two-dimensional thing there's this offseason and there's next offseason and things you do now that will bleed over next year are going to immediately impact you know the freedom you have to bridge guys like miller or laugh or Heedle, whoever or maybe give them long-term deals um so it's a very the very fine balancing actor that jury is going to be faced with this summer but i'd say that number is probably four and a half maybe pushed up to five if you can get out of nemeth Generally speaking, that's that's kind of the baseline. And that that number with 
moving Nemeth off? Is that including his replacement? Um, I mean, it kind of it really depends. Like, do you get rid of Nemeth and then is one of Jones or Lundqvist? Um, do you do someone cheaper, a couple hundred thousand cheaper? It really depends how you move Nemeth because if you can get a whole team to take his whole salary, that's one thing. Yeah, maybe you have to trade and retain half. If you bury him, that's about half. Um, so it, 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 you know, it depends how you get rid of Nemeth uh, to really kind of figure out what that number is going to be. But I'd say generally seven and a half million for three spots. And then maybe if you think of Kako and backup goalie and, you know, kind of Nemeth 2.0, whatever, probably in the four to four and a half range. See, I'm hearing all of this. And now I'm like starting to say, you know, how is it possible the Rangers could possibly make a move for a big name player like a Yanni Gord or, I mean, the rumors today were Pierre-Luc Dubois to the Rangers and people are theorizing, you know, maybe Kako goes back the other way, but it's got to be significant salary that's going back the other way. If you're going to trade Kako, wouldn't you want to have Pierre-Luc Dubois locked up for the for the long term? And wouldn't you be making like a, a commitment of north of $7 million a year? Yeah, so I have missed largely all the events today. I picked a hell of a day to not be around. Um, but... The long, the kind of brass tacks are Dubois. He's gone on record and said, you know, he wants to test unrestricted free agency. I believe he's three seasons away from that. Um, he's an outgoing restricted free agent. He has arbitration rights. His qualifying offer is like six and a half million, I think. Um, and he had a really good year uh, production-wise. So, if the Rangers were to go get him, um, first of all, what does he cost? And I think, you know, Kako's kind of a natural answer to throw in there. It could be anyone, though. It could be Laugh, could be Miller, could be Linger. I mean, you know, who the hell knows? It, it, it's going to cost something. They're, Winnipeg's not going to trade him for nothing. Um, but I think kind of in this situation, it's really, like, wonky to try and peg. It, it always seems with centers, it's really hard to peg what their true value is. Um, you know, you could think of the Eichel packages that we that everyone was talking about. And then what he actually went for. Not that he went for nothing, but, um, you know, it, it's hard to, to really peg. But with a guy like Dubois in his situation, it's kind of like Truba. It's kind of like he's sort of in this no man's land where there's he's going to cost a lot, but his future is uncertain. And if you're trading him kind of as is, like, here, you figure it out. That's one thing. But if you trade for him and you've negotiated an extension, if it's kind of like a trade-in-time deal like Truba was, um, that might change the value as far as a team knowing what they're exactly what's going on and knowing what his number is going forward. Um, but yeah, for the Rangers to acquire him, it's going to cost a lot, but that it's not going to be that four five million dollar cap space figure because they're going to be presumably giving up something. So if you trade Kako and a bunch of non-roster prospects, let's just say um, that four, you know, that then you don't have to pay Kako. So that four to five figure probably goes up to like six or seven. And that's, you know, that's probably going to be more or less in his, in his wheelhouse. Um, but so much of this depends on can they find a suitor who negotiates an extension before or after the trade? Um, are they going to trade him as is? Or, you know, they could just sign him to a one-year deal in arbitration and then play this whole thing out next year. Um, you know, that's what happened with Truba in, in Winnipeg. He, you know, he went to – to one-year deals, and it was just kind of every summer it was kind of like, oh, is he going to get traded? So it's a huge, 
question mark in so many ways. Um, but it it's not impossible that the Rangers would trade for Dubois. So it's probably be better for them to actually trade for his rights and then negotiate a deal. So that way you're clearing salary rather than wait for a restricted free agency and uh, offer sheet him. I don't think I don't think the Rangers can offer. Can they? Oh yeah, I guess they can. They can't because I I don't think they can because they don't have their third round pick next year. They traded it for Justin Braun. But if they did have that, oh, okay, yeah. Um, well, first of all, you know, offer sheet some kind of like. I love hypotheticals as much as the next guy, but I'm pretty cold on offer sheets because, mm. like, unless it's Carolina and Montreal, like, prick-waving at each other, they just don't happen. Um, so, uh, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, it, I think it's really kind of a thing of if you know exactly – if you can get term on him and know exactly what that is, um, that's huge. And it depends what it is, what you give up. But as opposed to inheriting something where it's like, you know, you don't know what, what he's going to cost. And this is a team, the Rangers, you know, you, it behooves them to know what everyone's going to cost as soon as possible so they can make moves. Um, because, you know, let's just say they get Dubois and they don't have, a, and they don't have something negotiated. Uh, he can go to arbitration, which will be anywhere from mid-July to late July, or I guess like late July to early August because things are pushed back a couple weeks this year. So how do you square that with, free agency moves on July 13th. You know, there's a logistical thing here where it's, if Drury's really going to do stuff for free agency this year, which is a big if, uh, having someone like Dubois not tied down, not knowing that information at on free agent day, that's a huge problem. And so I tend to think, and just for Winnipeg's sake, for getting maximum return, you'd think if they're going to trade him, they would let him negotiate an extension somewhere else and get, some some sort of much more better t- return for him, um, but it it's it's so messy. It's so it's so hard to know what the trade what the trade would be, what kind of term he wants if he's willing to sign a long extension and not go to UFA. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like there's so there's so much unknown. It's hard to really tie down anything. Right, and these rumors are kind of like brand new too. So. It's it's kind of it is difficult since the Rangers kind of play everything close to the vest. Maybe they got it that that news from Winnipeg side of it, uh, and they broke it like that. Um, but I'm interested to see like what happens, like you said, with free agency. Is it really is it better to stick with like a lower tier acquisition instead of like the big name players like a Shifley or Dubois or Dylan Larkin, like stick with a guy like Paul Stasny instead of Andrew Kopp, Ryan Strom, or Vinny Trocheck? What would what would what would Stasny do? Would that be kind of like your top nine acquisition that you were hinting at in the beginning? Right. Yeah. So Stasny really sticks out. Like even like forget what you think about him as a hockey player or whatever. Just purely as an asset, I think he checks a lot of boxes for the Rangers because you know you talk about Cop, Strom, Trocheck, whoever. These are guys that probably are going to go in the six to seven million dollar range, something like that. If free agency is taught, I think the evolving hockey projection has them in the six to seven range, four plus years, whatever. Um, that's a lot for the Rangers to add um, again because they are just so. Uh, I call I call the big six. It's Panarin, Kreider, Zubanejad, Truba, Fox, Igor. Those are six guys that combined for $50 million, which is about 60% of the salary cap, and they're not going anywhere for, mm-hmm. what, another at least two years. 
So if you want to add Trocheck, Cop, Strom, whoever to that and make it, you know, the big, you know, the big seven, this team has just kind of set itself up so that there's a lot of money tied up and not a lot of guys. And it's not exactly easy to cut salary anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get into like Goodrow maybe, or, you know, like Lindgren maybe if you really need to cut salary in the next, but those are like not the greatest options for doing no, that. They're, not, they're kind of cheap contract. Lindgren's contract is right. exceptionally cheap. That's, that's the thing. That, that, that's kind of like the, the, uh, the canary in the coal mine. It's if you who which ranger has the highest salary cap who has no clauses, no none, none of the restrictive clauses. It's Lingren, and he's only right. making three million. So that's kind of the the identity of this roster makeup. So if you want to add a, a big guy, um, you can do that, but just know that it's going to be hard to cut salary, and that that doing that this summer <clears throat> will directly eat at your options to say. Sign Miller long term. Sign Heedle long term. Kraftsov, Lafreniere. So, it's it, you almost have to play the summer like you're looking at next summer too, because you are. Um, that being said, Dabney really checks a lot of boxes because he he's 36, 37, um, and 36, I think it's a yes. lot more realistic. Yeah, 36. Okay, it's a lot more realistic that he signs something short term. So I like I wouldn't bet on the Rangers signing cop Trocheck, Strom, whoever for a one-year deal or a two-year deal i think with stavney that's actually a possibility i actually i think evolving hockey has him most likely signing like a one-year deal for three or four million so i think just purely as an asset purely looking at their the layout of what they can do under the salary cap i think that makes a lot of sense um so personally i kind of see stavney as kind of like a very good fit for what the Rangers can do and what they can't do. I believe Stasny's last contract was 3.75 million. So somewhere around that maybe is what it would cost. And to me, I think that's a, that's a, a fair, I think that's a good move for the Rangers because he's, he's cheap. You only sign him for one year, effective third line center. And I mean, most fans would disagree with me and say, you know, Heedle's not ready to play top six. He's not ready to play second line center. But I mean, if he's all you have and you can't afford to make a long-term commitment to Copper, Strom, or Vinny Trocek, or even Dubois, I say go with Paul Stasny just for this year, just this, this coming year and then reassess next year. See how, how well Lafreniere, Miller, and, uh, and company perform before you hand out those contracts and then move that because what we have here is the core. What the Rangers have here is the core. And front office has expressed multiple times that they are pleased with, with what they have here and they want to see Lafreniere and Kako get top six minutes next year. So I think it's time for for them to prove themselves, at least have one year to where they have the top six to themselves, not have to worry about a guy like Vetrano or Dryden Hunt or Colin Blackwell take their ice time like that's been that's happened in years past would you agree with that yeah you know uh, a really good follower on twitter is josh calvin and he wrote kind of a he wrote an article on Substack like a week ago or so and he put it so well he, he said you know if you're not at least willing to roll the dice on heedle laugh kako next year like what was the rebuild for you know you kind of you went into the rebuild live and die with it and now we're at the end of it live and die with it um 
So I'm, I'm, I'm much more kind of like roll the dice, you know, whatever. Um, but I would also say that there's like, I kind of, it's a very fine line. Some like you kind of look at a roster and what fits under the salary cap. And then you get into, you know, first line, this second line, this third line, this, I kind of look at it more as like a grouping, like, uh, you want the best group possible and whether, you know, let's just say the Rangers get Stasny, you know, is he going to be the number two or is he be the number three? Stasny, you know, for me, it's almost like it doesn't matter because no matter what the Rangers have so much money to spend and they're going to want to spend it as best they can. And whether that's he as a two, he as a three, it almost doesn't matter because it's like the depth in you know, in the abstract, the depth is really kind of the thing. Um, and kind of one thing I always see is, you know, there's injuries during the season. Like, you, some people, you know, like, oh, you know, there's four right-wingers, you know, why would you sign a fifth? And it's like, well, you know, there's injuries during the season, like the, in the postseason, for that matter. And so you just want to get, like, the best group in general altogether. Um, you know, during the season, Strom was hurt, Kako was hurt. So, like, it almost doesn't matter who's the two or the three. It's like, it's almost like at some point you're going to be asked to be the two or the three, depending on who's healthy. So does it matter? Like is I, I whether jury sees he a two or a three, it's almost like it doesn't matter because he's going to spend whatever money he can to improve center in either event. So, you know, I, I don't get really bogged down in the, in the Heedle two, three position. I think it's more just, what can Drury add to center for the lowest possible price? Because he's going to do that anyways, no matter what he thinks of Heedle. So Stasny would probably be a good a good choice, especially with a weaker free agency class. I mean, there's good, there's big names out there like Malkin or Bergeron, Trocheck even, but they're going to be way too expensive for the Rangers' price range in terms of uh, the cap hit, the cap hit. And there's no, is there any indication of like you know what's is is the maximum going to increase significantly anytime in the near future, or is that all dependent on how well the re- the NHL does, like with revenue? Uh, yeah. So, just kind of a prim- basic primer. Um, the cap should have gone down a lot in the twenty one season. It should have gone down like by half, but that just wouldn't work. Like how how the hell can the salary cap go from eighty million to forty million or whatever it was? So they kept it up at where it is artificially, but that represents a debt. It's like a line of credit. So when people see there's like these crazy revenues with ESPN now, and they wonder why the salary cap isn't tethered to that, it's because they have to pay off that, that debt, that lag from, from the COVID season. Oh, so, so they're like negative, and now they have to get back to, to zero, kind of. Right, and they're, pay, and they're paying off profits, not revenue. So oh. um, and it, it, was about a, it was about a billion dollar lag is, is, is the general figure. So as far as I'm aware, they're kind of target. They're hoping that by the summer of 2026, it'll go back to normal. So for the next three or four years, it's going to be $1 million increases no matter what's going on with revenue. And that's, you know, kind of assuming revenue or, you know, revenue keeps coming in. Um, so I, the cap exploding uh, to hundred million or whatever, that's not going to happen in the next two years. Certainly probably not for, until like three or four years from now. Um, so that's the whole story with that. You see that you see a lot of people with that, uh, which sucks for the Rangers because you know they <laughs> they're one of those teams that you know they would gladly spend a hundred million on a team, but uh, no, we're we're going to be paying off that COVID lag for another couple of years at least. 
So there's no, there's not going to be like an outside help. Like, oh, look, this year we have a significant increase in cap. You know, that was, you know, it's a bit disappointing. I remember right before COVID happened, it was like projected the cap was about to go up by like, like, what was it? Two and a half million dollars. Like it was to like 83 something. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, if COVID didn't happen, you know, we'd right. probably be well into the eighties by now you would think. Um, but who knows? Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's unfortunate. Um, it, it, it just kind of sucks that when the cap was created and its relationship to revenue, it, it didn't, you know, much, <laughs> much like most of the economy, it didn't really factor in some sort of massive, uh, shock to like COVID did. So, um, but yeah, I, 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 the number that I've seen is like, we're still three or four years away from getting back to normal and will the cap jump up a lot three or four years from now? We'll see. I mean, you can never really know this far out but certainly not in the next few years because it's they're paying off of like a billion dollar debt and that's not going away anytime soon understood and getting back to the to the rangers in terms of what they need to address for you know this coming season six seventh d for for them i mean we had braun and then there's nemeth who we just talked about saying that he's most likely to be traded i'm sure the jury's trying to find a way to ship out that contract um Hindsight, he probably wouldn't have wanted to sign that one if he, if he got a second chance. But you know, mistakes happen. But who would who would you say has like the best chance to to come back and, and play like that in that spot? Would it be Braun? Do they go have like an internal competition with uh, Zach Jones or Nils Lundqvist? Yeah. Um. So like, kind of the Lundqvist Jones thing is kind of like this looming question mark. Um. Because in theory, you could have one of those two, like pair, pair with Schneider and be the third pair guy, um, replace Nemeth. You could have maybe both of them. Maybe you could have, you know, one is a six, one is a seven. And then again, like I'm saying, with the reality of injuries, like if one defenseman is hurt at any time, they're both in the top six. Um, but you could also have both in Hartford. You could trade one or both this, this off season. Um, as far as replacements go, I'm, 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 of the opinion that there's going to be plenty of options for like left side defensemen on the free agent market. Um, if you're talking about a third pair guy or an extra guy. So I, I, I think it's pretty kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of like an extra forward. Like it's like, there's going to be your pick and it's not going to cost a lot. Um, so I don't have any strong opinions on that. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what jury does and then I'll have a strong opinion. Um, but you know, it, I think one of the things about Jones one is like they're perfect trade bait this summer because they're kind of frozen out of like, they're like the, like they're like the forgotten children of the rebuild. Cause they kind of have hit as prospects, but there's no room for them. Rangers have five of their six spots locked up. But on the other hand, um, you know, they can both play in Hartford next year and be like called up freely and sent down freely. So there's no rush. It's not like, Oh, October, they're going to be waivers they're going to be subject to waivers. And so you can't put them in Hartford. So you got to do something. They have one more year where it's like, they can kind of nest them if they want. Um, but at the same time, it's like, if you're going to be trading for a Dubois or a Gord or a Shifley, those are like the first names you think of. Um, so, you know, trading from defense is their strength. You trade from strength to address weakness. So that makes sense. So those, those guys are a huge question mark. And then leading to your point, what's the sixth, seventh D spot's going to look, look, look like. Uh, probably a lot of it depends on if Lundqvist and Jones are still here in October. 
Um, but if not, I mean, you know, there's no shortage of third pair guys that you could sign to a one year deal for very cheap. Um, so I don't have a strong opinion on it necessarily, but I, I think the Jones Lundquist thing is kind of like, okay, if they're going to get traded. Then you go to the market, but if not, you know, they could, they could both make it for all we know. So. Right. And I mean, Brendan Smith went this year for less than a million dollars to Carolina and he, he played, a, he played really well over there. And, you know, I, I liked him as a defenseman on the Rangers. And then also there's the, there's the backup goalie spot that needs to be addressed. And mm-hmm. I feel that, you know, you want to go cheap there. I think Georgiev's qualifying offer was like around two and a half million dollars. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So around there. And I mean, to you and me both, we don't think that he's coming back next season for the Rangers. And, you know, I think a guy, uh, an experienced veteran, maybe a guy like Yaroslav Halak would be a good a good fit there for just to have someone back there for Shesterkin. He's not going to be getting a whole a whole lot of games anyways. I'd say Shesterkin's starting north of 60 games this season, especially after the in- insane season he had this year. Vezina Trophy, it was historic. It was... Uh, I don't even know what other words to describe it. Help me out here. <laughs> Fucking great. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you posted a bunch of like historical stats, like in comparison to Dominic Hashik. And anytime you have like a goalie's name in comparison to Dominic Hashik, like that's automatically just an incredible, incredible thing. Unless you're talking about a negative stat, but like, did Hashik even <laughs> have any negative stats? Like the guy was amazing. Right, yeah. The stat was um, I looked at kind of the most like uh, unanimous voting for a Vizina. There you go. And it's uh, yeah, he got ninety, like a little more than ninety-six percent of the votes. And if you kind of weigh it for the first, second, third voting uh, system, and uh, yeah, he, he's he's way up there. Um, Hashik's up there. Price was up there. Um, it's kind of you know. It's, a little disappointing he like didn't give McDavid a run for that second place in the heart but right what are you gonna yeah. do yeah and I mean his his like I think that stat you mentioned was when Hashik won the heart trophy his average his save percentage like was uh how much better than the next closest guy in his year it, yeah it, Hashik was insane whenever like every like two weeks I'll see something where it's like who's like the best goalie of these bunch and it's like look Hashik's the best and like everyone else is fight you know fight you know <laughs> you can pit Wah against Brodor against you know whoever um Hashik's number one I mean there's like no doubt in my mind whatsoever uh, so like every I swear to God every two weeks on Twitter there's like something like that and it's just like oh my gosh what did this guy have to do to like get his respect so for best goalies of all time is it Hashik Lundqvist uh it kind of like it gets messy when you like compare eras because there's like a lot of less information back in the day and yeah. but like Hashik is like, I mean, it, you can't if you just look at his numbers like what he led the league in, he was putting up stuff that was just insane against his peers, so he's up there. Um, you know, it, it's a whole conversation about like how would I actually rank all the goalies of all time, but uh, Hashik is like. I'd put him at number one for sure. He was just <laughs> we'll, insane. We'll have we'll do that we'll do that for another episode maybe. But uh, getting back to that's like to, a summer project. Yeah, there you that's go. Like an there August, you go. And, a and dog speaking, days of August project. 
what was the project that you wanted to work on that um, that you were telling me about with you know that draft prime not the draft primer that's Drew Way's thing um, the the salary cap thing you're telling me something about that oh I I was like creating a model for uh, how how oh, this is like super nerdy but for one of my courses I was creating a model for how salary distributions like the inequality of salary on a team affects if it wins or loses. And yeah, that was like a whole, that was a, that was a, uh, a stunning failure on my part because it was just like the model sucked and I didn't do things in a very good way. And I had to rush it because the end of the semester came and it was like, ugh. but uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm always down for like nerdy, Anything with the salary cap, anything like trying to create a model or a nerdy projection, I'm all about that. Got it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think all the stuff that you that I've seen you do on Twitter is just comprehensive and in depth and very detailed. So I know there's a lot of people out there, hopefully listening to this, that you know want to understand the CBA and the salary cap more. And I think having you write stuff like that is, you know makes it easy for them to follow, especially because you, you follow the Rangers so closely. And, you know, it's, you know, it's relatable too. So, like, because you're a Rangers fan, you could explain it from their perspective and that a fan, a Rangers fan can understand it. So I think that would be extremely beneficial to people that want to follow that, you know? I appreciate the kind words. No, uh, you know, people taught me and it, I think there's like kind of like this thing where it's like not everyone likes math. Um, not everyone likes like the nerdy stuff. And so, but they want to know what's going on if you're a fan of the team. So there's kind of this fine line where maybe you can put it in terms like, you know, uh, one of my favorite things is like, you know, the Rangers ended up having 30 million in salary cap space at the deadline. And it's like, how the hell does that work? And it's like, well, you know, if you're, if you're a millennial and you remember how, uh, rollover cell phone plans work. You know, it's like the Rangers were not using seven or eight minutes each month, and then at the end of the month, or at, at, you know, six months later, they had 30 minutes that they could use because they were under every month. So, you know, just stuff like that. Because, um, you know, people want to know what's, again, like I said earlier, people want to know what's going on, what options their team has, what options their team doesn't have, why is it like this, why did that happen? And there's like this whole nerdy rabbit hole to figuring out why, but um, you know, for people who aren't sad salary cap nerds like myself, uh, you know, it, it's always helps. It's, it's helpful to explain kind of maybe how things work the way they work as best you can. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I wanted to move back on to you know for next year's salary cap implications. We talked about what's going to yeah. happen for Lafreniere, Miller, and Heedle. Uh, but I wanted to know what would what would a future contract look like for them? Like, what's the best way to handle that? Should they should all of them be given bridge deals, or should they be handled like an investment long term, like the Devils did with Hughes, like this year? 
I mean, Hughes proved himself. He had what, like sixty something points this year. Injury cut, uh, season cut short due to injury. But they signed him to an eight-year extension. It was like eight million dollars per. Is that something that the Rangers would be looking at, or is it more of a bridge for for Lafayette and Miller? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, that's kind of where uncertainty plays a huge part. It's like it's, it's not so much you know what's going to happen. It's you don't know what's going to happen, but you kind of it value it behooves you to be able to deal with it as when it comes. Um, so what laugh Miller, Kraftoff, uh, Heedle, what they're going to get on their next contract is very much up in the air. Um, there's so many examples you could point to where guys were very, very much flying below the radar. And then in their contract year, they turned it up a huge notch and they got money that no one would have expected they got. Um, a good example is Nino Niederreiter. He, when he was with the Islanders, he produced like absolute like his production was insanely nothing. He like he he did not score any points. He got traded to Minnesota, um, and then finally like in the last year of his entry level contract, he put up like thirty or forty points, and then he got you know a ten million dollar three year deal or something like that. And it's just one of those things where it's like no one would have paid him that if it wasn't for his final deal, uh, the final year of his deal. So who knows if he really is put into like the two C spot and he scores 40, 50 points, his contract's going to look a lot different than what we're talking about now. Um, same with Miller, Laugh. So it's like it's very hard to point to what they're going to cost. Um, and, but I think like the, the moral of the story is like if you want to have that option to bridge them or sign them long, if they have a great contract year, if they don't have a great con- – you know, all these kind of unknowns and all the options you have, if you go the route of cop, Trocek, Strom, you are like cutting into that arsenal of options next summer because you're going to have less cap space and you're going to have less ability to shed cap or shed salary in order to maybe give someone more term and money than they are. You're pegging them at now. So it's, it's very much like you don't know, but you, but you can leave yourself options. Um, so it's a very fine line between like what, how good you want this team to be or how much can you improve this team this summer without sort of cutting into or eating into those options next summer because they're, they're all up in the air. I mean, you know, who knows what Miller's going to get next year? Who knows what kind of season he's going to have in, in 2023? So it, it, it's like it's almost like a, you're juggling this game of imperfect information and you don't know what's going to happen, but you can sort of – set yourself up to be able to deal with more possibilities. Right. And I, I mean, I'm looking at cap friendly right now and it says there's like about 24 and a half million in space next year to sign, you know, Miller, Lafreniere, Heedle. And then there's also, you know, the salary that you're giving to Kako. And if, if you decide to go long-term with anybody, whatever is, you know, carried over for the next couple of years but i mean of that those that trio i'd say miller is probably the most likely to get a significant pay raise i think they're all gonna get like a good amount of money uh, a salary increase but, but miller might go from you know elc of 925k to like four and a half maybe five million just from his playoff performance alone um right because he he turns That's the interesting part yeah, that's yeah. the interesting part. It's like you had these kids really show up, and so 
like if they trend that way next season, like, oh yeah, they're going to cost money. That's a so good thing it, too. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good problem to have because this is what we wanted to happen. Like this was the dream. We wanted these guys to succeed. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can tie this whole conversation directly to what do they do for center this, 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 this summer? Because it's, unless you're doing stabbing on a one year deal, um, you know, if you're signing or even acquiring someone who's like a major contract, um, you know, you're going to have that less much, that less, that amount of money less to do something like that with Miller or Heedle or whoever. So let me ask you, as a fan of the Rangers, what would you like to see them do? Would you like to see them make the trade for Dubois or play it safe and go with Stasny? I kind of lean towards Stasny. It's, yeah, it's, it's that's kind what of, I'm talking about. I like that too. It's a lot more, I think, like low risk. And, well, I mean, there is some risk. Like his underlings are actually pretty good. Um, his five-on-five five recently is, like, really good. He has a defensive aspect to his game. Um, the only problem is, you know, once you're once you're that long in the tooth, like once you're 36, 37, it's not at all insane for you to just fall off a cliff. So there is kind of some risk in that as far as, like, you know, can he keep doing what he's done in Winnipeg for the Rangers for one year? Um, but on the other hand, it's safe in the sense that, okay, you leave yourself maximum options for how you deal with, all of the pay raises that are coming next summer. And, uh, you know, you, you can kind of, you can leave yourself a lot more room and not necessarily at like the uh, huge detriment. Like, uh, and, and <laughs> you asked about Tyler Mott earlier. I didn't even get to it. So let me go all the way around and go ahead. Back. Um, there's like, there's one theory where, let's just say the Rangers don't do anything. It's like last summer, right? And they have, Zibanejad, Hedl, and let's say Goodrow is like their top three centers. Let's just say mm-hmm. that that like if you want to find Mott, then you you can kind of get into that range. Of course, you're going to be with the same problem with you, you know presumably he's signing a multi-year deal, so you're going to eat into that next summer options with the kids. But you know that's that's probably where you know unless there's like trading going on or something. But as of right now, that's kind of where you justify. Mott or Vertrano, whoever spending, you know, a couple million on a on a third line wing or whatever you want to call it. And with that, it's kind of like, and this is this is really kind of where like salary cap nerdum comes in. If the Rangers don't go out and quote unquote replace Stromer Cop, and they they go with Zibanejad, Heedle, Goodrow, theoretically, if they're like a million dollars under the cap the whole season. They'll have like five, six million dollars in cap space at the deadline. So, like, one option in theory is they don't really replace Comanstrop, uh, Stroman Cop. They sort of kind of hold it together within maybe bringing Mater Vitrano. And then they do what they did last year. They kind of add that center at the deadline. Um, and then, you know, who knows what Shifley's deal is going to be or mm-hmm. uh, Gord, you know, whoever if it's even like a pure rental or if it's like a one and a half year rental or whatever. So that is kind of like a low key possibility. Um, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, there's like, it's funny. They have so little options or they've like relatively so little cap space, but there's different ways they could do things. You know, they could tr- make a trade with LA for Velarde or, or, or Turcotte. They could make it or Cody glass from Nashville, you know, like kind of find another team's, center version of Kraftsov and like 
roll the dice and maybe that's like a solid 3C that can grow into a role for cheap. I mean, you know, there's like, they have options of what they're going to do. So personally, I don't know exactly what my preference is. I think I would prefer Stasny over, you know, kind of making the big six into a big seven just because you're really going to be pushing it next Mm -hmm. summer as far as what options you have and what little options you have to shed salary cap space if one of these kids explodes this next season. Um, but it's just, it's so, a trade can change things so quickly. Um, so it's, it's very hard to like project what's going to happen. You know, we don't even know how Nemesis is going to play out. You know, there's so many ways he could play out, bury, trade, buy out. I mean, who knows? So it, it, it's very, it's very uh, messy stuff to be like, you know, what's the ideal thing the Rangers do? Cause there's like so many assumptions you have to make. I like that Stasny's face-off percentage is well over 50% for his career. And this past year, he was 56.6% from the dot. So you know he, you, could, you could rely on him to take a, a face-off for you. And that's something that the Rangers haven't had in a long time. And you know, it frustrates me so much when you, know, you pin the other team in the offensive zone. They take an icing. You get to the dot, and then you lose the face off clean, and you get nothing, and they clear the puck and get a change, and nothing happened. That kills me as a fan. And, and, you know, having someone out there just to win you the face off, I feel like that would just be like, like, it would be, it would mean so much for, for the team. Even if it doesn't, even if you don't, you know, score a goal, you're just going to continue to add pressure to the team and put them on their heels. And I think that's a that was a big factor in you know why the Rangers weren't able to win two more games against Tampa Bay in the playoffs. Yeah, um, there's no doubt that winning more faceoffs is better. Um, I I tend to kind of fall into the school of like if we're talking about like what separates you from let's say the conference finals versus being the cup winner, I think it becomes pretty small pretty quickly. Um, just because if you are the better team, generally speaking. Like, you can afford to give face-offs away. I think there was one stat where, like, Tampa Bay, one of their cup years, like, they did pretty pretty poorly in defensive zone face-offs. Um, so I, I think it's almost like it definitely matters, but I think I'm skeptical of how much it really plays into it if you're talking about championship caliber. Um, but, yeah, I agree. It's uh, Especially, you know, with, with Heedle's face-off numbers, it's kind of – if if they got Sazny to be kind of this like more defensive oriented slash face-off specialist to complement Heedle, and then you can kind of maybe roll two and three, the second and third lines a little more evenly. I think that's really one thing that, uh, you know, I'm not like the biggest coach, uh, you know, put, put the coach on trial guy, but yeah. But, uh, you know, the way it was, was like the kid line was just so like the third line was so removed from how much time the first and second lines got. If you can maybe bridge that gap and you have a top nine that you can roll a lot more evenly. Yeah. I think that would have made a difference. And, you know, if we're really kind of like talking about why, why the Rangers lost to Tampa, I mean, uh, Tampa's a really good team, but I think, yeah, I really think the, the 20 games and 40 nights killed yeah, them. I mean, yeah, they were just gas. Sure. They were just so, Yes, you could see it. They were playing hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why, generally speaking, teams don't force a game seven every round and then win. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and I'll agree with you on that about the, the 20 games in 40 days. I said it. I said it last week when I talked to to Vince Vercogliano that yeah, it's. I think it. 
that was the biggest fa- the biggest factor. But I mean, I just think that the faceoffs have an impact somewhat, even if it's even if it's minimal, it's there. I feel like. But um, you had brought up that you know if the Rangers go with the center core of Zibanejad, Heedel, and Goudreau for their season with one million in cap space. It brings them to the deadline, and they got five or what is it, six million in cap space. Does that mean for that for any player they acquire, is their cap hit less, or is it like the same that it had been all season? Um, no, it's like it's like that. It's like theoretically that five million means you can add like five million in cap hit to whatever the guy's number is. Okay, yeah. Um, so it's the, yeah, I know the, there's like the, the effective cap hit, and it's like to that point, how much that player has been paid and that whatever is remaining, that goes against your cap. Is that not how it works? Yeah, it's, that's like, this is really where you get into like the nerdy math stuff. But yeah, no, it's generally speaking, if you have $5 million at the deadline in cap space, you can add like a $5 million contract Got it. At, that, at that time. That's generally how it works, yeah. Okay, and then one last question for you. So I know we talked a lot in the beginning about, you know, is it even possible for the Rangers to make a big move uh, over the next two years, how would it be? How, how would it be possible? I mean, I've seen people theorize. You know, Johnny Gord from from Seattle. He's got he got a big contract, but if they retain half the salary, would it would it work? How real? That's like a completely unrealistic thing. Fifty for them to retain fifty percent, and he's got what four or five years left on his deal. They just signed it, right? How much would need to go back if to make that? unrealistic pipe dream come true yeah so i think i started this by the way i definitely like floated it like six months ago uh but yeah he has three years left now three and years. he's getting okay. about five five million a year in cap hit so that's like pushing it basically i i put it like this it's if you remember the 2015 rangers they had no cap space but they wanted to add so what they ended up doing was they acquired keith yandel but arizona retained 50 percent and they had Yandel for one and a half years. They had him for they got him at the 15 deadline, and he was under contract until summer 2016. So that's kind of like the team that wants to win now that doesn't have cap space. That's sort of like an idea where if mm-hmm. a team is willing to trade a guy, and he has one or two years left, maybe three. That's probably pushing it. Um, they will retain, but the only problem is, of course, you know it's super expensive. I mean, the Rangers gave up Duclair a first. Multiple first? I can't remember. John it Moore. Was, they gave him a whole lot for Yandel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was that, I was a big fan of that trade. I really love that trade. <laughs> only Yandel got more playing time, right? Yeah, for, um, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so that's kind of like another route. Um, I think like Shifley uh, is kind of maybe one to watch because there's all this noise about like he might be done in Winnipeg. Um, something about Winnipeg and Senators this summer. This summer, it's gonna be that's gonna be the team to watch, I guess. But Winnipeg. yeah, that's maybe something. And I think it does fit with the Rangers because they have, you know, you can like look past the roster. You could, you know, you can look at all the prospects they have that aren't on the roster that are kind of the the product of a multi-year rebuild that like would make great trade fodder. Um, Seattle's kind of interesting in a way because unlike Vegas, they weren't able to like kind of parlay their expansion draft picks into like a pipeline. Like they they were able to get um, um, Shea Theodore, Alex Tuck, um, stuff like that, and Seattle was not able to do that. So they do, they're still sort of creating a pipeline from scratch, 
And so if you do talk about, like, you know, Neil Lundqvist or, um, you know, Zach Jones or, like, some of these guys that are a couple years removed from their draft year and a little more ahead on the development curve, that is something where maybe Seattle, like, would tend to value them a little more than all these other teams that have more or less a pre-established pipeline. So that's maybe something, but I wouldn't bet I wouldn't hold my breath for the Rangers acquiring Gord uh, for 50%. Like maybe they'll take like a, a small chunk or something, but yeah, the, the, those are ideas where it's like, it all depends on what it costs and you can bet it's going to be goddamn expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a fun thing to float, but um, you know, it, it would cost them dearly. There's no doubt about that. I'd rank in terms of realisticness, realism, whatever, you know, Stasny, the Stasny option where he's third line center or second line center or whatever, middle six, we'll just say, top nine, that's number one. Number two would be Dubois, a Dubois trade, and then number three, Yanni Gord at 50% retained salary. I mean, I'd love for that. I think that would be, I'd like that as the best option. I'd rather have Gord as the third line center and then let Hedl play with Panarin cause, and let's see what happens, see what he does. You know, it, you know, it would be fun. That's what it would be. It would be fun for me as a fan. Um, but I, I get yeah, so yeah, like, it. So much of it comes down to like yeah. how much is it going to cost. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it, yeah, it is yeah, so yeah. wonky. Like who had Truba going for uh, Neil Pionk? You know what I mean? <laughs> like <laughs> some, it, it, it's so wonky. Or who had Booch going for what he got? So it's, a second in play. It's just so yeah. wonky yeah. figuring out like what players, what, what players are interested to get for in a trade, what will it cost them. It's like, it, it's kind of fun maybe to like, come up with like a a baseline amount but it's still just uh it's, it's voodoo like who knows what these guys are actually going to do so i i so thinking back to you brought up the trooba for peong trade that summer i remember everyone was saying oh it's going to be leas anderson it's going to be multiple first round picks it's going to be this guy and that guy and then it just happened to be winnipeg's own first round pick and, and this defenseman is that we were going to trade anyways at some point for Truba and we thought it was just a damn steal right and then now by that logic you know all these people are saying oh it's going to be Kako and Kravtsov and first and Nils Lundqvist and then watch it's going to be like Zach Jones and Andrew Kopp because they traded they traded Kopp to us at the deadline so we're just going to give him back yeah it's yeah (laughs) this kind of goes to the Dubois point it's it's so hard because there's so much going on behind the scenes. Like one thing with Truba was he was, he only had like a few cities in mind to sign long-term because his wife uh, or his fiance or wife, whatever was like wanted to do med school. And so, okay, there's only three bidders instead of 13 bidders. And so the price drive, Um, same with Dubois. Like he might just be like, look, I'm going to test unrestricted free agency in a couple of years. Although here's three places that I'll sign an extension now. And then good luck to you know good luck getting maximum value out of that because less bidders is a less it means lesser price. Um, so it's so wonky to like go into like okay what is what player going to go for? Obviously they're skilled. Obviously you can kind of figure out what salary they're going to get. But there's just you know there's always this stuff where it's like you never know what they're actually going to cost. If there is a move to be made for Dubois, I hope it's that option where. You said, okay, he's waiting for unrestricted free agency. He's only going to go to this place, this place, and this place. And I'll only accept, I'll, I'll only make an extension with them. So 
you know, good luck trading me. If they were Rangers were gonna in that position, I would I would hopefully think they lowball them, but give them a good enough offer where it's better than all the other teams without having to give up like Kako. You know what I mean? If they could make the math work out, I don't know how they would do it. Maybe they put guys like Othman or Will Cooley in there since they're, you know, entry level contracts. But I don't know who that would mean they have to replace. Maybe you go without a guy like Mott, or you scratch Rooney or uh, not Rooney of uh, Reeves. You bury Reeves. I have no idea. But is something like that, like where you use Othman or Cooley to make the math work out, like an option for the Rangers if they want to make like a move for a guy that has a bit of salary, like a significant amount of salary. Yeah. The the problem is it's like, we're not counting Cooley or Othman in their pool for next year. So you'd have to remove guys like that we're counting. So Kako's mm-hmm. one, um, you know, whoever. So that's, if you, you know, cause I'm assuming Dubois is going to get what, seven, eight, who knows. Um, but that money has to come from somewhere and you can't really, like there's something to be said about non-roster assets like Cooley, Offman, Lundqvist, Jones being logical parts of a trade package. But ultimately, one way or another, if it's that trade or maybe the Rangers have to make like a clap a cap clearing trade before it, um, they'd have to they'd have to cut something somewhere. And like I said, it, the team is structured where you can't really do that very well or very easily. Like there's Nemeth, Goodrow, Lindgren. Um, those are like the guys like who would be the cap casualties this summer. And that's not a lot of cap. They're making two, three, three and a half million. So it, you'd have like, it, it'd be, it'd be very hard to do that without, you know, Kako or Lindgren or someone going the other way. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the cap math. The real thing is Winnipeg can also just keep Dubois, go to arbitration, do a one year deal and then play this, play this, play this out again next summer. You know mm-hmm. I mean? They don't have to trade them. So who knows? Uh, it'd be wonderful if the Rangers made a quote-unquote good trade and got a quote-unquote good player, but, uh, you know, who the hell knows? Yeah, well, so we'll, we'll see We'll see what happens as, uh, you know, the offseason progresses. You have the draft coming up, and then free agency begins when, July 13th? That's it, yeah. It's, uh, everything's pushed back two weeks so, this year. So. I'm, I'm, sure you'll be all over, I'll, I'm sure you'll be all over free agency. We'll see. It could be very boring for the Rangers. So yeah, we'll see. for sure. I, I don't expect them to be going out making batshit crazy moves. The the biggest acquisition I could see them making day one is like Paul Stasny, honestly. And, right. it, it, and then, I, and then when I, they do that, like they have nothing left to spend. Yeah, and then they have yeah, nothing I mean, else you know, to spend. We'll, exactly. So we'll see. I'm 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 interested to see if Kako signs before then because yeah. You know they want they'll want to know exactly how much he costs so that they can, you know, milk every penny out of what they have remaining for let's just say Stasny or whoever. So that's a huge thing. It's like you know, can you sign someone to a four and a half million dollar deal not knowing what Kaka's number is going to be yet? And then you know it's it's a whole thing where it's like how you manage incomplete information. It it makes a huge difference um, in just how like your off season planning and what you can offer and what you can do at what time so but we'll see in terms of in terms of fireworks moves i think it's going to be pretty uneventful from the rangers because they just have to worry about their own players first kako being one of them and then they just have the lower tier positions to fill like backup goalie an extra defenseman and then again a center 
a center is, you know, probably what they're going to go with. Um, but we'll, we'll see. So, I mean, from, I'd say the draft is going to be pretty uneventful too. I don't see the Rangers trading into the first round. I don't see any need for them to do that. Uh, they don't have, I don't, I believe they don't have a second round pick this year either. And, um, the th- uh, they have like the six, the number 63 pick, I think. Number six. Oh, they do have the second. They do have a second round pick. Okay, so that's like the be way, hard. way end. Yeah. So yeah. the second pick, and then we have one, two, three, four picks in the last, uh, in in rounds four, five, and six. Four picks in three rounds there at the end. So we'll see if Drury can make some magic happen with his later picks. Like we've seen the Rangers, it seems like they're they've been able to do with in uh, recent years with their later late round draft picks. Um, we'll see what happens. But uh, anyways, Hockey Stat Miner, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. We should do it again sometime. My pleasure. And uh, we'll see how the summer shakes out, huh? Hey, Rangers fans. Thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. Time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.